When I was a child in the church, we used to sing a hymn called, I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds my hand. <laughs> you can say what you will about those old hymns, but let me tell you, they knew how to put a hope in us and t- take us to prayer and keep us there, sweet hour of prayer. When we come to a new year, we, we close one door and proverbially open another one. So I want to share something with you. When we do that, we actually do that with maybe not thought of, but certainly not spoken. But we do that with expectations. We don't know what some of those expectations are. Some of them we do. But we also open a door to the new year with some hope and some dreams. How many of you want to accomplish something in 2021? I certainly do. I think God has meaning for every day of our lives. The message this morning, I'll just tell you up front, is about perspective. That is a powerful word, a perspective for a new year. I have a a dictionary explanation about perspective. I looked it up. Perspective is this. It says, it is the relative importance of facts or matters from any special point of view, pretty much ours, and the ability to discern this relative importance. Think about that a minute. Don't miss it. There's, I think I looked, there are six definitions of perspective, and they're all, of course, different, like what some artist can make you see in the perspective of a street that you're standing in and how he draws it so that he can make it appear on a flat piece of paper as if it narrows away from you. Perspective. And on and on. But I want to declare to you that perspective affects attitude. And to be honest with you, it's easy to sometimes interchange those words, perspective and attitude, but they're not the same. Um, perspective, I want to say again, affects attitude. How many of you all know that we have one? A perspective and an attitude. Here's the definition from the dictionary of attitude. It says, it is a state of mind, behavior, or conduct as indicating one's feelings, and we are a muck with feelings all over this nation. <laughs> a state of mind, behavior, or conduct as indicating one's feelings, opinions, or purpose. Stated in another way, another dictionary says this attitude is a settled, way of thinking or feeling about someone or something, typically one that is reflected in a person's behavior. I just want you to know that your perspective and your attitude shows, doesn't it? We are known by it. How many of you want to be known in a good way? Wow. In my estimation, I want to read from a spiritual giant of our day. 
I'm sure you've heard this. I'm sure you've seen it. But I want to read it to you again so that we think about this thing called attitude, which is affected by perspective. This is Charles Swindoll, one of my heroes of the faith. He wrote this about attitude. Listen to it. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstance, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I just want to insert here, not everybody else's attitude, but your own. And that is our attitude. I am convinced, listen to this, that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. Well, praise the Lord. What are we going to do this year in 2021? How are we going to approach it? How are we going to look at it? What are all the unthought of even expectations and how and perspectives and how are they going to how are they going to affect our perspective and our attitude? I believe brother Swindoll is correct. I believe what is important is not what happens to me because none of us can know what that is and none of us can plan it all, but we can prepare and determine how we respond to what happens to us. And, and let me just stop here and say, I know I'm not going to be popular this morning about this, but we expect sometimes the fact that children, 12 and under, have attitudes that need to be corrected and taught and directed, and parents, we're supposed to teach our children about right attitudes, but it's difficult for us to teach them the right attitude if we have one that's not good ourselves. Oops. Oops. I better stay on my notes. It's safer. <laughs> I, want to, uh, I want to read about this powerful... Let me just tell you what attitude is, is beyond that. It is a spiritual discipline that I must practice if I am going to appear in the likeness of God's Son. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a major assignment. I want to read it to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 
7 through 10, one of the greatest men of God that ever lived, Paul the Apostle. Paul received abundant blessings. He, he received a great anointing of the Lord. He would be very instrumental in the New Testament church. This man, because of the sake of Christ, if you don't know his history, he was before this a, basically a politician. He sat under the feet of Gamaliel, one of the greatest teachers in his day, and he would be considered in our day when he was in politics like one of our congressmen. He was in the Sanhedrin, and he was a powerful man there, but listen, politics and, and things that are disagreeable aren't anything new. Uh, Saul at the time had it, and he caused a man that was a godly man to be stoned by the name of Stephen because he spread a lie about him in blasphemy. And so... Paul, thank God for Acts chapter 9, when he became a Paul, after being Saul, thank God for his salvation. And then because of the gospel, this man, if you want to read it a few verses earlier in 23 of, of chapter 11, he says, I speak as a fool, I am more in labors abundant, stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received forty stripes, three times I was beaten with rods, one time he was stoned. And he goes on and on, ladies and gentlemen, talking about literally the price that he paid to be a minister of the gospel. But because of all that, his renown was amazing. But look in chapter 12, verse 7. And I want you to notice this verse begins and it ends with the same line because it's important. He said, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, assigned, if you will, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Here's the line up again in the front. Lest I be exalted above measure. I want you to look at me. The human tendency without a spiritual covering of God and without a biblical worldview, the human tendency is always towards self-exaltation. And if you don't believe it, how big was the fish you caught, really? How much gas mileage does your buggy get? I think you understand what I mean. Verse 8. Concerning this thing, this thorn in the flesh, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Verse 9. And He, meaning God, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Basically, our weakness. You know where the glory belongs, ladies and gentlemen, to the one who is the sovereign Lord. Therefore, watch this, watch this, here's, here's perspective and here's attitude. Therefore, most gladly, he didn't just say, therefore, I will make this decision. He's going to spiritually be aware every moment. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. That the power of God, not boast in His accomplishments, boast in His infirmities, 
that the power of God, of Christ, may rest upon me. Think about that. Therefore, watch this attitude. There was perspective. Here's attitude. I take pleasure in infirmities. How many of you know that's like a foreign thought today? I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions. Here we all get hit in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And he's in reference to the fact, in my weakness, God's strength is shown. Father, just walk with us. Open our minds and our hearts. Be glorified by your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to attempt to make this applicable to life this morning. And I just, I, I just want to be like a, a dad, if you will, in a living room, which I used to do when my sons were small. And there was just four of us, and we'd sit down and we'd have a family talk. How many have ever had those? Ah, oh, they're wonderful. Kids don't enjoy them until they get older, but they're wonderful. A couple of three days ago, I watched as snow began to fall all over my part of the world. I think snow is beautiful. I love to watch it fall to the earth. It just... Uh, they, they kind of float down, and sometimes the wind blows them, but for at least... A little bit. I like snow. It's pretty. I don't like much of it, and I don't want it very long. We are told when snow comes, we, we've learned a lot about snow, that our scientists, and I believe this, that every snowflake, this is, this is pretty much beyond what we can handle sometime, but every snowflake, they tell us, is that absolutely one of a kind, one of its own, there's never been two alike. So I just want to tell you something about snow. Every time I see snowfall, one of the things I think about is what a powerful, unlimited mastery of creation that God is. Just fathom that, ladies and gentlemen, of not just of a snow of a few days ago, but for all time. So when you think you've got God figured out, maybe we need a snow. Wow. As a child, I learned something about snow. I learned you can eat snow. How many of you here have ever eaten snow? Well, watch this. I learned my mom could take that, and whatever she did with it, she could make snow ice cream. How many of you have had snow ice cream? If you've never had snow ice cream, I feel redundant. I feel so sorry for you. You have missed out on a great thing in life. All your grandmas, get out here before this all gone and make your grandkids some snow ice cream. You don't live long in this world in snow, at least our part. You learn to make a snowball because it's soft and you can pack that thing till it becomes pretty tough and you get to throw it and hit your best friend right in the back. Isn't it amazing? Snow can be dry, it's wet, it's cold, it's so cold you can it can burn you. It can give you frostbite. 
It can be crunchy. It can be hard. It can be slick. This snow is a whole different thing. There's nothing like it. I learned something further about snow years and years ago. When snow falls, it carries with it special nutrients that cause plants to grow. It also does something that rain does not do. When the snow falls, it covers the ground, and it stays for days or sometimes weeks and months, and I think we live far enough north right here. That's why I live here. All of you folk from the north, thank God for you, but why'd you come south? I don't know. <laughs> it carries nutrients, and it sets on the ground, and it stays there. And it allows those nutrients to soak down much deeper and get past the roots. And one of the things we're, we know is that when snow comes, come spring, they will produce, the snow actually will produce a much prettier rose. It really affects the rosebuds, the rose bushes. And the, the, the aroma and the beauty and the color of roses are enhanced because of snow. And because I learned that, every time I see snow, I think about the fact that in the spring we're going to have beautiful roses with some sweet aroma. And here I am, right in the middle of a snowstorm, thinking about roses. Wow! If you hadn't caught it yet, that's it. One of the great secrets of life is how you think. When you walk through the cold and the ground's covered with snow and you can feel and see no grass and your feet are freezing and your face is numb and your ears are red and stiff and your nose is making mucus sickles and all the stuff that go along with all that. I just painted a picture some of you didn't want to see. That's okay. When you're driving in what we usually call a car but it's covered in snow with a windshield it looks like an igloo going down the road. When that, all that happens, think. The roses are going to be much prettier in the spring because of the snow. And I want to talk to you this morning on this title, Looking Through the Snow to See the Roses. We're facing a year that we know very little about. So follow me. It's a strange thing. Two Christians... View the community and view the world and they look at it and one looks and says all the crime and all the evil and all of the stuff that we see in the negative and they just get to where in their heart they despise everyone. But the other looks at people and say my how those lost people need God. God help me to reach them. One's looking at the snow. The other's looking through the snow to see the roses. People come to sit in the auditorium, and we hadn't had this problem the last few months, but in a church in normal days, one person looks around and sees the crowd. Well, I tell you, it's just getting too crowded for me. Somebody's in my pew, and I guess we think we own pews, but I think they belong to God. 
And I don't think you ought to have the attitude. I've seen people go in times past, walk up to a guest, somebody get in their seat in their pew and stand there and look at them. Don't ever let that happen with me standing around. I promise you, it won't be fun. You know, we're supposed to be open to win sinners here, not tell them where we are privileged to sit. I lost some friends there, but it's true. And the other person says, wow, God's blessing us so much. It's wonderful to see the crowd. One's looking at the snow, the other's looking through the snow to see the roses. People park on the parking lot. One says, I just don't like to walk that far. I think that... I heard someone the other day was talking about people are getting older and older. I, I forgot who it was. They said if people start getting older and keep having their children up in their 40s or so, that parking lots are going to be nothing more than handicapped. <laughs> but here's one person, I don't want to walk that far. Here's another thing. God, the church is growing. The Lord's blessing us. One's looking at the snow. The other's looking through the snow to see the roses. Someone hears the pastor begin to give the invitation. The Spirit of God's moving. And one says, It's after 12. Why don't he hurry up? I mean, everybody's beating us to the restaurants. And we've heard all this before. And the other one says, Holy Spirit, move. Make heaven happy. Somebody will respond to the pastor's invitation. One's looking at the snow, the other's looking through the snow to see the roses. Two people sit in a church service and they hear a boring sermon. By the way, which seldom ever happens here. I just <laughs> don't say amen to that, please. <laughs> I don't know. One says, Will he ever get through? And the other one says, Lord, help the pastor. He may be carrying an awful heavy burden this week. One's looking at the snow, the other's looking through the snow to see the roses. Two people view a casket. And in it a loved one. And one says, what kind of a God is he? What can he be? He took... Took my loved one. And the other one says, Thank God you have a plan. Thank God for your grace. Thank God for salvation. I thank you for amazing grace and amazing mercy. My loved one knew what it was to be acquainted with God. One's looking at the snow. The other's looking through the snow to see the roses. Two people get up in the morning. <laughs> One just goes, I hate this. I want to sleep in. I just hate having to get up. I'm so tired. I'm so weary. Mom and Dad, just leave me alone. I just want to do that. And the other goes, what a thrill. There are thousands of people in the world that can't get out of bed, and I can. One's looking at the snow. The other's looking through the snow to see the roses. In case you think I'm meddling, I'm going to continue. Two teenagers. Ah, kids, you're not going to get by me. No. Two young ladies look at a prom dress. One says, I hate this dress. 
My mom picked this out for me and I don't want to be caught dead in it. Something like that. The other says, wow, if I could have a dress that looks like that, that would be the prettiest dress I ever had. You concerned about how you look? Hear me, teenagers. Okay. The world pushes that right through us till we, we just get at nauseam. Looks, 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 looks. All about how, and I understand all that. I've been a teenager. I understand. Man, you should have seen my Elvis Presley hairdo when I was 15, 16. I'll show it to you sometime. But I want to tell you something. If you don't have everything you want, just like you want it when you think you need it, if life's not going totally like you want it to all the time, and, and you, you get treated like everybody else. Let me give you some advice. Stop. Don't worry. Listen, you're saving some of your most enjoyable moments in life for the future. Don't play to the song of this world. We want it all and we want it all right now. Because, ladies and gentlemen, that's why suicide is absolutely taking our country. Because the time our kids are 18, they think they've done it all, seen it all, felt it all, done it all. And they have nothing to look forward to. Two women look at their hard-working husbands. <laughs> I'm going to have fun right here. I do. Can you wait? One lady says, My husband's just become boring. And the other lady says, My husband is a solid, steady, good provider. One's looking at the snow, the other's looking through the snow to see the roses. That's what Paul is saying. He had a thorn. He described it, a messenger of Satan to buffet him. And Paul said, Lord, I ask you to deliver me from this issue. And God said, no. And so Paul asked God a second time, will you take this out of my life? God, do something. I'm miserable here. And God said, no. And the third time, Paul said, Lord, I, I'm asking you, I, I, can I, I do not want to put this in the gospel. It's pure speculation on my part. It's imagination, but at least it's, it has maybe merit in the human nature. Maybe the third time, Paul said to God, God, look at what I've done. I left the Sanhedrin. I left it. I'm a Christian. I'm spirit-filled. Lord, I'm in the ministry. I've been beat up. I've been stoned. I've been shipwrecked. I've done all this. Lord, the least like you could do was take this off of me. You know why I know that? <laughs> I don't want to tell you. And here's the third time God said, no. You know, that's pretty hard for us to swallow. Because we're king and God, the Holy Trinity of me, myself, and I. God said, no. But I will promise you, I will give you grace sufficient for every day. And listen, if it wasn't for every day, we'd rob tomorrow's grace and the next day's grace. And we couldn't have any grace for 2021. We'd have spent it all in 20. 
Paul cried out, in essence, watch his, watch his perspective, watch his attitude. His perspective changed his attitude. Watch his, he came into a spiritual discipline. Young people, please, I'm not against you. I'm your friend. I'm trying my best to help you go through life if the Lord tarries. Paul said, I'd rather keep the thorn and know an experience and having the promise of God's grace every day than to lose the thorn and never see God's help and grace and mercy and sustenance in my life. In essence, God said, I will not take away the snow. I will not remove this storm. And Paul said, okay, I'll rejoice in my infirmities. I'll rejoice in my weakness. I'll rejoice in my trials. I will rejoice in all my temptations. Because I know that God has purpose and a plan all through eternity. And I must see as a perspective and develop an attitude that knows that I am here and God has a plan for me and not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Young people, mom and dad, grandparents, ladies and gentlemen, that is the difference in living the flesh life or living the spirit life. And Paul is saying, I'm going to look beyond the problems. I'm going to look beyond the storms. And I'm going to find a rose, and then I can rejoice during this difficulty because I know whom I have believed. I'm convinced he can keep what I commit to him. Two people view a rose bush. One sees the rose, its beautiful color, and it, the aroma. Linda and I were privileged to live in a place called Tyler, Texas for about three years. And I, I knew roses came from somewhere. But if you've never been to Tyler, Texas and drive like a section of land here that's covered in wheat, which I think is beautiful, I can take you to Tyler, Texas and show you square miles of the most beautiful roses you've ever seen. I just couldn't believe it. And when we were there some 30 plus years ago, the, the, over the side of a, a mile section square of roses, there was a post with a little bucket on it, and they had, they had water in it, and dozens of long stem roses wrapped up in dozens. And it was, you could get a dozen long stem beautiful Tyler Rose for $1, just put it in the little box. That roses were everywhere. They were beautiful. I'd never, seen, I'd never seen a square mile of beautiful red. I'd never seen that. It, it, was, it was unbelievable. And, and downtown, where the places, they have all the kinds, like 40 different roses that grow well in that soil, and you could see it every spring. It was just, they had them like the flag and the stars. It was just beautiful. Two people view the rose bush. One sees the beauty and the aroma. The other sees the thorns. Two people view a glass of water. One sees it half empty, the other sees it half full. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. Young people, young ladies, young men. Your joy in life is dependent upon whether you see the storms or whether you look through the storms and see the roses. And I want to share something with you. I believe 
that every liability has its corresponding asset. Some people absolutely can never see any good out of anything whatsoever. I believe, I want to say it again, that every liability has its corresponding asset. Let me show you. Why not, Mom? And I know you said, Pastor, why, is it, why not rejoice because you have healthy children and thank God for them and, and, and love them and raise them in a right manner rather than always complaining about tracking a little dirt in on your living room? You know what's even better than that? Why don't you teach them that they should be responsible about carrying dirt in? And why don't you teach them how to clean their shoes and teach them responsibility so that you don't have to clean it? And listen, when they get tired of cleaning it up, then they won't do that. Well, pastor, it's just easier for me to clean it up than it is to do them. After all, I'm a mama. And you cheat that child out of teaching him something. I know it's easier to do it yourself. I'm just going all over the place today, aren't I? I just want to tell you, there's, ladies and gentlemen, principle is important. Instead of just being perfect about how they make the bed. Oh, by the way, I think you should teach them it is their responsibility to make their bed. If you leave that to the husband or wife, we got more than we can imagine. Well, I know you're shouting me down, aren't you? Teach them. Teach them responsibility. Amen. Get them ready for life. Life's not going to be a cotton ball like it has been at home if you don't teach them. Teach them, teach them, teach them. If you look carefully at your life, no matter what it's been, you can find some good in it and a beautiful rose. Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, he was in a storm of stones. As a matter of fact, Saul is the one who caused that. I mentioned it earlier. Here is outside the city. Here is a man in the top echelon of the Sanhedrin. Here's the politics. He is being stormed by stones. Blood is oozing from his wounds. His life is ebbing from his body. And his brain is pounding with pain. And he looked through the storm of stones and he saw a rose as a matter of fact the rose of Sharon the beautiful lily of the valley literally stood himself and said I see you Stephen I welcome you home looking through the storm of stones teenager you may live in a home that hadn't been blessed with near as much money as some people have you may not have as much prestige and you may not live in the home where everybody admires everybody. Maybe mom and dad's having a difficult time making ends meet. Teenager, don't look at that storm of poverty and think how bad you have it. Poor me. I'm being cheated. All the other kids have this and this and this. And let me tell you something. All the other kids' parents are in debt to their ears too. And there's sometimes a difficult time in that home because of financial pressures. 
Teenager, don't be so critical about mom and dad because you're going to learn sometime if the Lord tarries and you be responsible, you may have some financial storms too and it might be difficult. After all, you're not paying for the house and the electric and the cars and the gas and the insurance and the oil. You're not paying the taxes. You're not doing all that. You know what you have to do? All you got to do is make up a bed. Carry out the trash. I just went back 80 years, didn't I? Can you fathom help around the house and doing it voluntarily? I was taught when I was a boy, when I took my clothes off, they either went in the hamper or back on the closet. Then, you never walked in my bedroom and saw clothes slobbed all the way around the floor. My mom would not let me live like a slob. Pastor, you shouldn't have used that word. Well, if the clothes are laying around in the shoe. I think, parents, you ought to take charge of that bedroom. I furnished it. I heated it. I cooled it. I carpeted it. I did all that. I give this to you. And the least thing you can do is keep it looking nice. I taught my boys very quickly. That's a hamper. Whatever you take off goes in that. And your mama is not your hired servant. You're going to do that or you can wear dirty clothes. Well, surely not. Look at the rose, teenagers. Look at the rose. You'd be surprised sometime when you have less than someone else has. And in our world of total comparison like we are today, where if you don't have a $200 pair of Nike tennis shoes, you are trash. I want to tell you something. I think $200 Nike tennis shoes are trash. You say, Pat, what do you mean? Wouldn't you like to have a pair of Nikes? I would not walk across the street for a pair of Nikes. You know why? You know why? Because I know what's behind that. And it's manipulation of you and me. And if you don't understand that, Hadn't got very far down the road. I was going to preach a pastoral message. Now I'm out here meddling. But hadn't done it in a while. So here we go. Start the year right. (laughs) We need peace in our homes. We need respect in our homes. And dad... Get yourself up out of bed and don't be the big, dumb, doofy idiot that Hollywood's presented in fathers for the last 30 years. You be a man of God. Get your family up on Sunday. Bathe, shower, and do whatever's necessary. Get your people in the church and honor God and be a godly man. And mom, be a woman that's a godly woman and set an example and teach your children. Because if the Lord tarries, they're going to take your place. And if we don't preach discipline and keep it in this society and live by some rules and principles. That's why we're losing it today. It's true. It's true. You'd be surprised, young person, how sometimes a little something can mean a great deal. I dreamed for nine years of my life, the first nine years of my life, to have a BB gun. And on the Christmas of my ninth birthday, I got one. When you've had nothing but a stick, 
Well, actually, a little earlier, I actually had a double set of Long Ranger, Long Ranger silver bullet little pistols, you know. Listen, let me tell you something. I was some kind of bad dude when I was eight and nine. Tremble in fear. But when I got a BB gun, oh! After wanting one for all those years, you'd be surprised how wonderful that was. And you may think I'm foolish, but I want to tell you something. Today, that BB gun, I don't even want to tell you how old it is. It is 61 years old. It's antique. Like it's honor. I have that BB gun hanging over one of the doors. You know why? Because it's valuable? No. Because of what it took me to get it. I feel sorry for you if you don't know what that means. I really do. You'd be surprised when you learn that the value is the mom and the dad and the family and the brother and the sister and disciplines and the church and God and the principles and this book and a biblical worldview that we're traveling on a terrestrial ball with an, with an eternal soul and spirit in us and we're only in this body for what James calls vapor time somewhere around 70 years you realize this is our dress rehearsal and we better get it right and when you learn that discipline when you have the right perspective and the right attitude. It doesn't take a grandstand to excite you every 30 minutes. You don't have to constantly clamor and fight for another empty thrill. You have something that's valuable that the world cannot take away. I know I'm preaching today like I'm 130 years old. I have that many miles on me. (laughs) Widow, during during a storm of loneliness experience God's presence know God's love Lynn know God's grace and his promise thank God for an eternal plan that we know where Larry is and all those dad mom during an unexpected financial storm look ahead See your child attending college and you writing the check. Or help them. Joshua, during a storm of battles, looked carefully and he saw the captain of the Lord's host ready to lead him. David, King David, during a storm of battles, looked carefully. And God said, I will go before you. And David said, how will I know? And in the spirit realm, though he couldn't see it, he said, you'll hear the rustling of the sounds of the army of angels going in the tops of the mulberry trees. Paul in a storm of stones at Lystra, he looked and God actually during that trial let him see the third heaven to which I am headed someday. And John on the Isle of Patmos, this old man, is the last of the disciples. And we're going to see how his message goes on an island. And he, God said, I'll reward you for it, John. I'm going to show you the new heaven and the new earth and the holy white city, my eternal abode. As a boy, when I was 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, right in there, until I was 14, I didn't have a walk-in closet. I had a, some nails 
on the back of the door in my bedroom. And behind that door, I had some hangers screwed into the wall. And my whole wardrobe, you could open the door, step out, and on the back of the door and behind the door, that was my wardrobe. We finally got our piece of the pie. And we moved into a 1144 square foot home. And I had a walk-in closet. Had the half slide doors, you remember them? And they wouldn't stay on the hooks and the thing was the bottom and they'd scratch each other and they're one of the worst things you've ever seen. But it was a walk-in closet. Sure beat a nail on the wall. <laughs> then I got married. And Linda and I rented a little house and the rent was $55 a month. And because I was a marvelous specimen of a husband, our closet was a walk-in closet, but it was turned the other way, and the door wasn't on the side, it was in the end. And there were rows to hang your clothes. You know what? Are you ready? I'm, I'm, I'm going to martyr this thing. You know how many times I got on my hands and knees and crawled under all of her clothes to get to my clothes and got back on my knees and crawled under her clothes to get my clothes? Not that I'm the kind to bring it up, darling. God knows I'm not that kind of person. Wow. You... You cannot imagine. Listen, I know it sounds simple, and you may think it foolish. Say, Pastor, you're, you're, you're losing it. We know it. We know it. You're you cannot believe how I appreciate a walk-in closet. And I wouldn't trade for that value. Because I see it in God's earth, and I see it in God's book, and I see it everywhere I go. I, I, I look through the storm, the snow, to see the roses. And... Maybe every day's got a storm, but I'm going to tell you, every day has a rose too. And I just want to stop and say as I finish, this is not living in denial. I'm not just saying suck this up and go on and just toughen it up and be there and all that. I understand being human as much as you do. This is not mind over matter where I just set my mind and I get the discipline I do all that. No, it's keeping an eternal perspective. And from that, having an absolute godly attitude that reflects in my life. A story, and I'll be through. Heard this years ago, first year in the ministry. A man had a nephew. He became very close. His nephew's dad had died, and he kind of halfway adopted him and spent a lot of time with him, and the relationship was strong. The nephew helped him many, many times, and... The uncle took him in and they called each other buddies. Years passed and the uncle was on his deathbed and had been in a coma for a few days and actually all three of his children had come in and would talk to him with no response. The nephew arrived and said to them, Can I see him? And he received permission. The nephew walked in and called the uncle's name. The man came out of the coma, raised his head and nodded and smiled, laid down and went on to the glory world. 
But here's the part of the story I like. Some of you have heard this before. Several years before that, the uncle had to go to the hospital and because of diabetes, he had to have a leg amputated. And the nephew was going, what can I say? What can I do? What are the words? How can I make this any kind of thing a positive? How can I cheer him? And he entered the room. And the uncle immediately raised up on his elbows to his nephew and said, Come in here, son. I just discovered a surefire cure for an ingrown toenail. (laughs) I want to tell you something. You can't keep a man like that down. You can't keep a man like that down. You know what that is? That's a disciplined attitude that comes from a perspective that keeps the eternity in mind. Wouldn't it 2021 generation, wouldn't it be wonderful if all God's people could discover the powerful testimony of looking through the snow to see the roses? I wonder, I wonder how our demeanor would be. I wonder if, if we would re- reflect Christ more. So I want to say something. In 2021, God is not afraid. God is not nervous. I love this word. God is sovereign. And I want us to commit ourselves this morning in this brand new year. And I know I've been long. But I want us to commit ourselves. Dare I say it, dare I say it. To keep a biblical worldview, that's our perspective. And to discipline ourselves to have a Christ-like attitude. To have a Christ-like attitude. I hope while I've said this morning, just like when I was 40-something years ago, when I heard about the roses, I will tell you, for over 40 years, every time it snows, I think about a rose. And I hope I've put that in your mind this morning. Not because I want you thinking about roses. You can. But I want us to think about having the beauty of Christ. The aroma of Him in our lives. Let's be real about this late hour. Because this world, ladies and gentlemen, needs a picture of Christ if it's going to change.